U.S. inflation now at a 40-year high. So how has the market reacted and what is the expectation for hikes from the Fed? Could they be taking the shock and awe approach with a half percent rise in March? China is borrowing more. That's a good sign. But will they actually get anywhere with zero COVID? And the Ukraine, is it just a Russian fishing expedition? It's Friday, the 11th of February, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, I tell you, the rally in U.S. stocks didn't last long today. A 1.2% fall in the Dow, 1.4% down for the Nasdaq, and the S&P losing 1.5%. It seems to be heating up as the session uh, nears its close. Big moves up in 10-year Treasury yields, up eight basis points, a steeper climb in two years, and big moves across Europe as well. 10-year gilts have risen nine basis points, seven for 10-year bunds, 14 basis points in Italy. Shares in Europe, incidentally, doing a little better than the U.S. today. The FTSE uh, 100 is up 0.4%. A, a, a slight fall in the DAX. The US dollar, well, it was down again on the DXY, although it's tipped back into positive territory just now. The Aussie dollar is flat now, but it was up 1% earlier. It's dipped below 72 US cents now. The pound is up 0.3%. The euro is up 0.2%. And oil, well, it was up a lot. WTI was up 2% a few hours ago. Now it's struggling to show any gains. And Brent, which was also showing strong gains, uh, it's now 0.4% down. So a complete turnaround. So we are back with rising yields. And the reason for that, inflation. Let's look at that with NAB's Gavin Friend in London. So US CPI. 0.6% up in January, 7.5% over the last year. Uh, everyone are obviously thinking that means more hikes, uh, maybe uh, even half a percent. Uh, Bullard has, uh, has come out and said he supports a half percent increase, and it seemed, that seems to be the overwhelming belief now, doesn't it? Ah, morning, Phil. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you're right. It's all about that, isn't it? Um, we, I guess we should, we should start off first by saying, you know, w- what was CPI? It was, you know, it, meet, it beat market expectations, 0.6%. Um, for the for the headline uh, and the core on the month, uh, the annual rate up to seven and a half percent from seven. The market was looking for seven point two, and I think potentially looking at the market reaction, that the market was probably priced the other way uh, on balance. Um, if we look at some of the detail, um, food and energy uh, were um, you know were, were at the forefront. Food up one percent. Energy up zero point nine percent on the month within food. You know, we know that um, commodity prices going up, um, you know, wheat and that kind of stuff is, is is obviously adding to food price inflation. And, you know, here cereals and bakeries were up 1.8% on the month, dairy up 1.1% on the month. Um, the other factor was rents, um, which in the core uh, rose 0.4%. Uh, again, that's, um, you know, a number of months, at least four months in a row, they've been running at that sort of elevated, faster pace. And the problem here is that in the core basket, it's over 40% of the waiting. So, you know, all the while that's pushing through, then that's driving this inflation base effects also from some of the weaker numbers that we saw a year ago so you know particularly on oil i mean on on, on that i mean oil so we've seen a 27 percent increase in in energy prices but oil was only 50 dollars a barrel a year ago so i mean base effects in in a few months time that you know that will have diminished by quite a bit this is true um you you were speaking about uh, the market reaction and uh the comments from st louis fed President James Bullard. Now, he is a voter in 2022, so it's important. Um, he does have a reputation for, you know, um, 
reacting very quickly to incoming events on both sides. And obviously, for the last few months, it's been on the upside in terms of rates. Uh, he, he now says he's looking for 100 basis points uh, by, the, by July the 1st. There are three meetings between uh, now and July the 1st. There is a meeting later on in July. Um, so, so, so March, May and June. He's not clear, though, if March should be 50 basis points. Now, um, we'd say it's highly, um, it's highly uh, unlikely that if the Fed um, you know, sort of sticks to 25 in March, and we, we don't know this, but if it goes for 25 in March, it's very unlikely that the Fed is then going to choose at a, at a later meeting in May or June to go by fifty. Will they? So they will go hard early. Is that the expectation? Well, I well, I mean, our, our view is our view is not. Our view is twenty five and twenty five four times this year. Um, but Bullard is now introducing the possibility of an intermeeting hike. Fed hasn't done that for a very long time, and um, again, that seems to us as as unlikely. Why not? You know, you've got you've got. You've got multiple meetings this year. Uh, why not, uh, you know, stick to the schedule? It, I mean, one... It, 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 it's one, to shock the market, isn't it? It's to show, hey, look, these, this is extreme, so we're signalling so, well, so that you moderate, you know, to get, back, get back in your box and behave yourself. Don't push your wages up too well, much. Well, you know, we are a month out over uh, until we get to the 16th of March. Um, so, so you might argue, well, why, why is the Fed still, still buying, still buying assets? Why not stop now? <laughs> you know, that, you know, you know, arguably, yeah, but, 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 but we're, we're almost there. We're almost to March. So, you know, again, something like that, the Fed doesn't want to unnerve, but it does need to get on with it. And, um, you, you can almost, you know, you can almost be excused for thinking that, that, you know, to the extent that these, Rises in CPI are going to continue probably for another month or two, as far as we can see in, in looking at the calculations and base effects that are going to drop out and odds and ons, ups, you know, unders and overs. Um, that uh, the market is just going to keep ratcheting up the pressure because there's, there's nothing that's coming. It knows nothing is coming until the 16th of March. And so we just we just keep doing this. But the, situ- now, what I would but the situation say is- could be better by then, couldn't it? So, I mean, yesterday, uh, Dave DeGaris on the podcast was saying, you know, have a look at, uh, you know, almost look for the green shoot. So have a look at used car prices against new cars. And if you look at that, uh, used cars, the, you know, the inflation factor has fallen. New cars have shown, shown no price growth in January. So that presumably means people are able to buy new cars. There's not that, uh, there's not the pressure. The supply chains are improving, which is why we're seeing that, you know, those used car prices not rising as much as they were. I mean, there's, you know, there's a bit of hope in all yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There are, there are some positive takeaways. Uh, airline prices, they weren't up by much. Um, we look at, um, uh, hotels lodging away from home down 3.9% on the month car rental down 7% now you might say well that was because of those two factors could have been exacerbated because of omicron and that's that's probably likely so it's but uh, but my point is it's not all i think you're right it's not all bad news there are some things here which are moving that way um and the other the other point is is that the market reaction i mean what have we seen today is is a huge rise in the short end so big rise in break even inflation to one and two year tenors two year yields in the us up 20 basis points on the day to 155 well that would point that, that takes, point to more more to that sort of like a, a 50 basis point rise then wouldn't it well well i mean again it's that gap between now and when the when, when the fed is actually going to move um, I, you could you could say at 155, and we're now back to levels we were just as the 
global economy turned down into the pandemic back in early 2020. Look at the 10-year tenor, up at least 10 basis points to 202. Again, we're now back above where we were heading into the pandemic. So 2%, as you know, I mean, it's a big round number. Lots of people, however, out there uh, on Wall Street have been looking at 2% for and, and ourselves for Q1 this year. So it's it's met a target for a lot of people. It, it's just a round number, mm. but the fact that it's there might mean that we get something of a pause. Why this, um, why this, uh, why this spread to Europe, though? Because we're seeing yields up as well, you know, up quite a bit. In fact, more so in, yep. in, in Europe than in the United States. I know that uh, Hugh Pill from the Bank of England on Wednesday when he was giving that speech to the Society of Professional Economists, uh, he said if they kept their bank rate unchanged at half percent, then inflation would stay above their 2% car- target. Uh, so, if, But if they take it to the market-implied path of 1.2% by the end of the year, then that would be somewhat below target. So, so he's really saying 1%, isn't he, or thereabouts? That's- yeah, I mean, you, you've, you've got pushback from um, members of important members of the Bank of England and from the ECB. On the Bank of England, I mean, what, what the chief economist, Hugh Pill, said and what Andrew Bailey has been saying is exactly in line with what we heard from them last week after the MPC meeting. And looking at the point we made is look at the Bank of England's projections based on, as you say, the market curve, which is which actually is one and a half percent, and today it's gone closer to two percent. Um, you know, you, you, that's that's going to bring inflation back below t- the two percent target, and the Bank of England is very clear it doesn't want to do that. So it says if we were to hike by that amount, based on the income information at the moment, we're going to have inflation too low. And you know, you had Andrew Bailey sort of warning and saying, look, don't. There are downside risks to what we're doing at the moment as well. So let's not. Let's not let's not overreg it. Let's not get too excited. On Europe, that was the bigger, arguably the bigger surprise. The magnitude of what the ECB is going to be doing pales into insignificance with the Bank of England and certainly the Fed. But it's the turn. It's the big tanker turning around. And we saw last week, you know, the hawks are gaining some ascendancy because, again, like in the Fed in, in the US today, that the the, un, the unrelenting rise in headline inflation and core inflation that's scaring them, and it's ask it's it's causing ECB governing council members to query their own internal inflation forecasts, and so and so they're saying you know we need to act faster now. Today, we should say that uh, chief economist of the ECB, Philip Lane, uh, pushed back in a blog saying that the ECB could accommodate a temporary rise in inflation. He blogged that the overwhelming cause of the Eurozone's current inflation pressures are related related to supply and demand mismatches related to the pandemic. His view is that wage growth is benign in Europe, and he argues that the supply disruptions and the energy price shocks are external. If the ECB reacted by, by tightening, it would only serve to compress economic growth and thereby would introduce a second uh, sort of adverse shock. You'd have you'd have a, you'd have a d- depressed, uh, you know, domestic demand as well as this yeah. international terms of trade which, shock, which is what could happen over the English Channel, of course, couldn't it? That big question about where the UK is going. But let's just talk about this: the strange response on currencies today because we've got a weaker US dollar, but we also had you know a big increase in oil and other commodities that presumably helped the Aussie dollar today. And I wonder whether was that just a hedge against these inflation concerns? Is that so? That's helped the Aussie dollar because notice that since then oil's come down a bit the aussie mm. dollars come down a mm. bit as well well so certainly seem- you know at first blush when you look at the backup in yields that we've seen in the u.s 
you know, yeah, you, you, you talked about high yields in UK, high, high yields in Europe, but nowhere near as high as we got in the US on a nominal basis. So that would be, you know, you know, all else equal, dollar positive. The fact that stocks are down and we move into risk aversion on this would be dollar positive, all else equal. And yet the dollar, it rallied nearly half a percent from the get-go after the CPI and then came crashing back down again and went lower. And we saw some really big gains there, so a, a really nice recovery in those commodity-led currencies, uh, the Aussie, the Kiwi, um, the Noki. And then we saw also some gains in the Chinese renminbi, the CNH. Um, and so, you know, get, coming to its highest level against the dollar for uh, a week and a half. Um, you know, the, 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 these things don't really stack up unless it's to do with, um, mm. as you say, tied partly to commodity movements, but also maybe the real yield complex. If there's a, if, if the market thinks that the real yield is, is lagging behind in the US, yeah. arguably that could be, you know, um, uh, something of a, of a dent in the dollar. But it, there's but other it, factors as well. It's not just inflation, is it, today? Because we also had uh, the question about, you know, where China is heading because, uh, you know, are they going to recover faster? We certainly saw a lot more borrowing going on in China, which is a good sign, surely. So new yuan loans for January, almost 4 trillion yuan, up from 1.1 in December. So that's pushed a lot of new money into the economy, whether it can be used if you're pursuing a, a zero COVID policy. That's another question. And then, of course, we've got Ukraine. There's been quite a, quite a big day for Ukraine uh, overnight. So we had Sergio Lavrov met with the UK's Liz Truss in Moscow, uh, the foreign minister from the UK. He said the meeting was the <laughs> the dialogue of a mute person with a deaf person. So apart from that, it went really well. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I like what Lord Derek said, who's a, a, a former UK ambassador to the US. He said he thinks Russia is just on a bit of a fishing trip. You know, try and see what they can get out of the West. That you know, he thinks they they're not planning an invasion. They've just uh, this whole thing has been uh, basically set up to see what they can get. So we'll see on that. Uh, look today, inflation numbers for Germany. We get UK GDP for December. We get the the UK's industrial and uh, manufacturing production numbers as well, and their goods trade balance. Uh, so uh, lots of information there. We also get the Michigan Consumer Sentiment Report, the RBNZ Inflation Expectation Survey as well. Although I read the sample size is very small on that. So uh, maybe not too much to come. Well, there's not many people over there, are there? Uh, so maybe not too much to come out of that. But all the other stuff, I mean, quite a lot of numbers today, Gavin. Yeah, uh, all important. I mean, we've, these are these are final numbers for Germany. So we know that um, you know, they're elevated. And it was one of the reasons you know, the market thought that um, they would go down and they didn't. So I don't think we're going to get much change from what we already know on that one. We've got some GDP numbers for the UK. Um, again, you know, I think uh, the market's looking for something like 1.1% on the quarter, 6.4% on the year. This is for Q4. Um, and the monthly GDP for the UK down by 0.5 or 0.6%. I don't think that's going to surprise many. I think really it's the Michigan inflation uh, expectations in the, within the sentiment uh, number there. That's going to be important because... You know, we have um, one-year inflation expectations sort of, you know, expected to be 5% from 4.9. In light of what we learned from the CPI, I'm guessing that that's probably going to move up a little bit further. The 5 to 10-year inflation expectation has been pretty steady at 3.1. But so, mm. so, again, any kind of movement on that, which is possible, um, I think, you know, will, 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 is more likely to have a, a meaningful market reaction than, than anything else. All right. Great. We'll look out for all of that. Great to talk, Gavin. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. And that is the morning call for this week. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I'll see you again on Monday morning, bright and early. See you then.